0: Has email taken over your life? <laughs> if you're like me, it certainly can often. Today, how to get control of email. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 119. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help people be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity. All the things that have to do with people and being able to influence people effectively. And today's topic is one that hits a whole bunch of those those topics, communication, human relations, productivity, even technology. Email. Boy, you know email used to be a lot of fun and email has become work and overwhelm for a lot of us. I have seen studies as with numbers as high as us spending 25% of our professional time now literally on email, answering email, composing email, reading email. And so email has become something that we all need to manage and some of us have figured out some ways to to manage it pretty well. And today's guest is someone who's really done some great thinking on that. And my guest David Sparks is going to really provide us with some new thinking on email that I know will get you thinking a little differently about how you look at your inbox. Before I introduce David, I want to mention at the end of the show I've got an announcement about next week's show, a reminder that next week's show episode 120 is an all Q&A show. So be thinking about what question uh, you may want to ask, and maybe even you have a question that comes up in the interview here today, and you'll want to submit that for next week's show, episode of 120. So here's my interview with David. I'm thrilled to welcome David Sparks as my guest this week. David is the author of the recent book, Email, that is available on the iBookstore store. And he's also the author of several other books, uh, Paperless, which we'll probably talk about in this interview as well. He uh, is a very successful podcaster himself, which we'll talk more about in the interview too. And he happens to also be an attorney by day. And I mention all of that because he's a pretty busy guy and handles a lot of email like most of us do. And he has put together a framework and studied email extensively And it's some wonderful ideas on how to handle email, process it, utilize it well, and also have it not take over our entire lives. So, David, I'm so glad you're here.
1: Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks, Dave. It's really a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I am thrilled to get to talk to you live. I've uh, been a big... uh, big fan of yours for a while, and I've learned a lot from you. And uh, and I've learned a lot from you recently just on some of the work you've done on email and some of the thinking you've done on email. And I really want to talk about some of these great tactics you've laid out and services and tools and resources around email. But I thought I'd start and just, you know, maybe see if you remember when you first started using email. Because, you know, Things have changed in the last 15, 20 years and and maybe just kind of give us some perspective on how the world has changed with email and how we're all thinking about technology. Yeah,
1: you know, I got in the email game really early because I am a geek, right? So as soon as I figured there such a thing as email existed, I wanted to be part of it. I don't remember who my first domain provider was that I got my first email account, but it's it's been a long time. And uh it's funny because I always grew up um, talking to my parents about the letters they used to write to each other. And my dad was in the Korean war and they Mm -hmm. had this rich correspondence back and forth. And, and I felt like, you know, in my generation, I'm 45 years old now. um, We, we called each other. I mean, my wife and I didn't write each other much as we were dating, but we called each other all the time. And, and that's how I talked to my friends and there's just never, never that correspondence. And then, you know, when I got older in college and whatnot, I would re- occasionally come across like the the correspondence of Mark Twain or somebody. And I had so much fun reading, uh, getting this window into their lives. I always felt like we didn't have that. So hmm. when email came up, I thought, well, this is my chance to, you know, make my archival correspondence. <laughs> nice. Little did I know that's not where email was headed.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things I had written down and we talked over email before this is that Email, for me at least, I, I'm kind of the same same uh, thought as you. I was so excited about email. I, I'm a geek. I jumped onto it right away. And it used to be so much fun. I remember getting emails from people across the state and then another country. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And there used yeah, to just, be that.
1: Just think about it for a minute, that someone in Germany can push a button and like, nearly immediately it appears on your screen. I know. I it still blows me away when I think about it.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. And I just, I, I still get excited about that. And yet something changed. You know, it's no longer that you got, I think there was even a movie called like You Got Mail. Yeah, <laughs> there was that a whole nice AOL. About that. Yeah. Yeah. There was like that whole, AOL, I think it was an AOL thing. It was like, you got mail. And it was like, yeah. a, it was a really cool thing to get email. And then something happened and I'm, <laughs> What do you think happened with email? When did we cross this line?
1: There's a lot that happened. I mean, number one is the you know, the marketing people that, you know, used to say, Well, if we want to send out our flyer to ten thousand people, we have to buy ten thousand stamps. And someone came in the room, they burst the doors open, they said, It won't cost anything with email. (laughs) You know. So they said, Well, instead of sending it to ten thousand people, let's send it to ten billion people. And Mm. So you've got all those marketing email, you know, the spam and the bacon and all the, the, those things out there coming at us, which vies for our attention and time when we don't have enough to begin with. And then um, I think there's a perception by people, and, and we're all guilty of this, of creating this idea that mail has stopped becoming mail. You know, it's become text messages. So, you know, mail used to be when you, del- you sent a letter to somebody, you expected there was a certain amount of time for them to receive it process it, and write back to you. You didn't stick a letter in your mailbox and shut the lid and stand outside and look at your watch for five minutes and then open the lid and expect there to be a response. Right. But we've got to that now. People do expect a response. And it's tough in the work environment when those people are your, your superiors. And they want you to do quality work and to focus on your work. But at the same time, if they drop an email on you, they think that you should magically be checking for that every second and be ready to reply. It's 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 such an unsolvable problem when you when you keep it in that way. The only way you're going to beat it is to cheat the game. Is to find a way to cut out a bunch of that stuff and and change people's perceptions. I mean, it's it's not easy, but there's a way to do it.
0: I love the story. I I think you remember the story you told about Legos and your daughter and email.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, Could, would when, you
0: share that story? I think that's just a brilliant story. It, it kind of it was actually the
1: moment when I decided I was going to write this book.
0: Oh, interesting. Tell me about that.
1: Because I am, um, the paperless book was doing really well. And, you know, between the podcast and the day job and everything else, I always have had lots of email. But when, you know, the, the book really took off, um, suddenly I had a lot more email. And my daughter and I built Lego together. It's Lego, by the way. If I call it Legos, I get people really angry at me. So I'm going to say Lego. Uh, but uh, but we always had this habit of doing these projects together. And she got a new set. And it looked like a lot of fun. And I said, OK, let me just deal with this email. And then we'll sit down and do it together. And you know, then I went into kind of an email trance, I guess, for lack of a better word. I got through a big pile of email. And I looked up. And she was sitting there. And the Lego was done. She built the whole set. Oh, you know, wow. I didn't do one single brick with her. And I was thinking about how that was a moment between her and I that I will never get back, you know, to, because I was busy answering an email. And then at that moment, I happened to glance and there's a new email from someone uh, who was a, um, a listener of my podcast and reader of the books who was very angry with me because I had not responded to her email in six days. And um, she wanted me to take my email name off my website because she said, I remember exactly, she said, clearly you don't take email seriously. (laughs) 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 And, um, and boy, I'm like, this has got out of control, you know. And so I wanted to think about not only how email works, but how I think about email and maybe, you know, I needed a new way. And so I went on this this journey, it took about a year and, and I ended up in this book.
0: Yeah, and you probably have done more thinking about email in the last year than most people think about email in a lifetime, as far as strategy and ways to really utilize it well. And so I sure hope so. I sure hope so. (laughs) So I'm I'm really curious what you found. And you talked about, you know, kind of some of the tools and strategies and, and cheating the system. And, um, and and as we get into that you know is there an overall just vision you have for how email should serve us and how we should utilize it well to make our lives better
1: well i think there isn't one solution i think email is something that everybody has to kind of tackle on their own terms but there's definitely things out there that can help you that can give you some weapons, I guess would be the right word. Okay. And the first thing is a good working knowledge of how email works. And, you know, not everybody's a geek and wants to learn what pop and IMAP mean. But you know what? If you do, you're going to have an edge. And it's not that hard to figure this stuff out. So I spent some time in the book talking about what the underlying email technologies are. And depending on which technology you're using, what that means for you. And, so that was something I wanted to get across. And then from there I kind of went into basics and, you know, kind of what I call tactical decisions.
0: Yeah, well let's talk about some of those cuz I think that that's uh, something that I know a lot of people would really benefit from is just thinking about some of these things that you've developed and thought through that a lot of us haven't thought through and I'll give one example that's um that's just I've heard you talk about a couple of weeks ago as far as Reducing the number of folders that we keep on email, and I'm one of these people, David, up until about, oh, two weeks ago when I heard you talking about that, that I probably had, I don't know, 100, 150 folders on email, and I did what you advised, and I brought it down to just eight or nine folders, and I would not have thought how much time that saved, but it has really made my workflow so much easier with email.
1: Yeah, it's I the reason I can say this stuff, Dave, is cuz I've made every mistake like a thousand times over. But I did that once too. I remember when I had a folder for every case I worked on with a subfolder for correspondence and for every personal project I worked on and you know, so, you know, replanting the garden had its own folder and you know, everything you can think of. An email would come in and i think well where am i going to put it you know which folder does it go into is this go into the folder for new tomatoes or last year's garden and and i would say well i'll just make a new one that says last year's garden's new tomatoes and so <laughs> i awesome. i just kept making all these folders and then even if I didn't have this existential crisis about where it went, I had to get it into the folder, and I even had nested folders. I was the worst, Dave. So I would drag it over, and I'd have to drill through and get it to the right folder, and then drop it on there. And those little folders are pretty small on your computer, and of course, the last minute, my hand would just move a little bit, and it would go into the folder below it, and yeah. then I'd have to go find it in that folder and move it back over. Oh, it was just terrible, you know. And then, and then. That was the times I realized I put it in the wrong place. Sometimes I put it in the wrong place without realizing it, and then I could never find it again. And I really got thinking about what how nutty that was. And yeah. I got rid of all the folders. I put everything pretty much in an archive. And the search tools in these mail applications these days lets you search. I mean, no matter what mail application you're using, Outlook or whatever, uh, Outlook, Apple Mail, Google Mail, whatever your thing is, you can search, and they're really powerful, and you're going to find your email. So, so I, I realized that the time invested in creating nested folders was never getting paid back to me. It was just a time sink. Um, and so I got serious about that. And like, like you said, you're using seven or eight. I think that's fine. I mean, it's not like you don't have to have any folders, but you certainly don't want to have this big structure because it's just going to get in your way.
0: It's a great example of something I think a lot of us don't think about. I never thought about it until I heard you talk about it, and then I was like, "That I do." Spend a lot of time trying to figure out what goes in what folder and creating new folders, and it has really speeded up my workflow and processing email. Um, what are what are some of the other things that are discoveries you've made along the way? in the last year or so that have really helped you to pick up some efficiencies with email?
1: Uh, n- notifications, I think, are a big deal. I think it's so easy to get in that notification trap and, and that you become like a Pavlovian dog. Your, your thing dings and whatever you're working on, you immediately stop and go and find out it's just another Viagrad. And um, it, I think it, I hate the way software developers ship these things with all these notifications turned on because they're just encouraging you to never get any work done. <laughs> so uh, I think you should turn those off. But, you know, there are exceptions. You know, maybe you do have a crazy boss that needs you need to see every email they send. Uh, for those, they you know, the, the various software platforms do have exceptions. So I think take a really good look at your notification system to decide what goes and what stays. Um, I think the composing um, methodology is another thing that people, um, you know, the software doesn't help you. When you open a new email, first it wants you to put the name of the recipient, and then it wants you to put the subject line. Well, you haven't written the email yet. Uh. There, there's a barrier there. I mean, I understand you know generally what you're going to say, but you really don't know what you're going to say until you write the body of the email. But anyway, you need to write the subject line. So what do most people do? They put a really um, bad subject line, or they just leave it, and it says re, 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 re something, yeah. and... Yeah. Um, then they write their message and then they may, they want to make an attachment but the attachment is way at the top of the screen or there's no real clear mechanism to make it so what happens is you send off an email with a bad subject line half the time you forgot to put this, the attachment on it um, and all that stuff is avoidable I think if you change the way you wrote email like for me the first thing I do is I put the attachment in if I'm going to send an attachment the first thing I do is I put it on the file and that way, I never make that mistake of sending it, saying, here's the attachment, and it's not there. I mean, in my brain, as soon as my fingers type the word, here's the attachment, it should already be in the email.
0: So how did you get yourself to do that? Did you always do that, or did you make that shift down the road here?
1: No, I just i made so many mistakes, I realized that I was doing it wrong. Oh, and it. even though the software application sets it up for me, to, you know, if I hit tab, I can go through the fields, I, I, I gave up on that. So now I first make the attachment, then I write the body of the text. And then after I've written the body, I can make a real coherent subject line. And you know what? If you make good subject lines, in fact, if you take one thing from this entire podcast today, I would say make an effort to make good subject lines because your recipients are going to love you. Because mm-hmm. it's so hard when you look at a big list of messages and they none of them have a subject line that means anything. But yours says confirming lunch tomorrow at 11. That helps people, you know, yeah. so, so make a real subject line. And then I, then I put the recipients in at the end so I don't send it off accidentally before it's done. And then, you know, it, it's not that hard. I mean, all this stuff is kind of common sense, Dave, but but when you start doing it and it starts becoming habits, you can get really good at this stuff.
0: So good subject line. And I really, I like that idea of writing the subject line and putting in the addressee after you Compose the message, I again wouldn't have thought to do that, but that uh that seems to make sense. that's kind of how we would write a letter back in the good old days, you know,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: interesting and,
1: and within computers it's so easy to accidentally send an email, so oh, yeah. if you don't have it, if you don't have this you don't have an addressee on it that's not never going to happen
0: I have done that when I've written a letter that i'm Cons- like really, have to think through what I'm going to say, where I don't put the address because I, I think a lot of us have done that, where we've sent a half-written something. Or a yeah, and it's idea. usually the most
1: important ones you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because you're you're laboring over it, you know, and um, so don't have a subject. I mean, don't have a recipient on there until it's ready to publish or send.
0: You mentioned your work, your work as a writer, being a podcaster. You get a large volume of email, I'm sure. How do you handle the uh, the scheduling of processing email, handling email do you do you check email multiple times a day? Do you do it once? like how do you how have you thought through that just whole workflow around how you're gonna make the space in your life for it?
1: yeah, i I don't check email multiple times a day. I mean, I don't check it frequently during the day. I check it in the morning in the afternoon, probably in the evening, but i I don't make a habit of constantly going into the email application. I'll even close it for large periods of time. Um, Like I said earlier, notifications rarely happen for me because it's such a small list of people that actually get through my walls um, to notify me when I get an email from them. And it just, you know, one of the discoveries I made on this book was, I originally was thinking, Merlin Mann did a great talk about Inbox Zero and talking about keeping things in an action folder and and, you know, kind of narrowing it down. And I, in a large way, I agree with everything he said, but also I had to accept that there's different contexts of my life where um, some things are more important than others. And like getting a listener email is something that I really actually enjoy doing, especially when it's one that doesn't require me to kind of help them try and troubleshoot their computer. But if it's just like a genuine, hey, I really like this or I have a quick question. Uh, that I can respond to with a few words. I really actually enjoy that. It's like my way of hanging out with geeks. Yeah. and uh, But that's not something that I need to drop everything when it comes in. So I have a folder where that stuff goes into, and I don't deal with that until set time, usually on the weekend. Uh, whereas getting a, an email from a client that's got a big problem is something I need to deal with right away, and that goes into a different place. And one of the great things I found throughout this writing this book was the service uh, SaneBox, which I'm now a big fan of.
0: I've heard you talk about this, and I'm just about to the point of trying it and getting it set up. Uh, Could you say something about just generally what the service does and how you're using it as part of your workflow?
1: Yeah, it's really actually kind of a long conversation how you get there. But I talk about email technologies. Well, one of them is, is IMAP. But this also works with Exchange or Gmail even. So uh, basically, SaneBox is a company that will, with your permission, study your inbox for you. And it'll look at who is sending you email and where they come from and how often you reply to that person and its own knowledge about that kind of person. And and then you will set up these special sane boxes in your email account. So, like, I have one called News. So if I get the Lands End catalog sent to me because I buy stuff from Land's End, uh it knows that I like those emails but it also knows that it's not something that's urgent to me so it will take that email as soon as it sees it land in the inbox and move it to the news box oh interesting and then there's some stuff that I have told it I'd never want to see anything from this company or this person again and I have the SaneBox black hole and I put it in there and as soon as anything else comes from that domain SaneBox kills it for me
0: um, so you never um, even see it it never shows up in your inbox
1: well it's in my inbox for a very very brief like a fraction of a second I guess if I'm looking at a certain moment it'll, I'll see it but generally I don't see it um, listener and this is the part where it starts getting magical for me is um, listener feedback from the show um, I put into a same called feedback and same box from I get email from people that have never written me before and same box does a remarkably good job of figuring that out and putting the, that email in there um, sometimes there's people that are not like my spouse, you know, or you, Dave, you, you Dave, you're like at the top of my list right now. Right. Cause I was going to podcast with you. I made you a kind of a VIP in my life for the, for this week. Wow. Um, but, but there's other people that come in that aren't in that list and same box has one called later. And it's like, not as important, but still kind of important. So it puts them in there. But the point is before I was waking up in the morning and I'd have 70 emails in my inbox, and some of it would be absolute garbage and some of it would be important and I'd have to figure out what goes where. And SaneBox now does that for me. So I wake up in the morning and I'll have five emails in my inbox and they're all emails that are important to me that I want to deal with. And then there's a big pile of them in this news folder that I may read or I may never read. I may just select all that stuff and delete it if I'm too busy. And then there's a pile of stuff in Feedback, which I'll look at maybe on Saturday. I think there's this, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. And then just to close the loop there'll be a pile of stuff in the later folder that I won't look at first thing in the morning, but sometime today I'll get to that stuff. And it just, it brings sanity to your inbox. It's it's a really great service. They do some other stuff too, but this inbox filtering is something that I think people need to look at seriously.
0: Yeah, it's really intriguing and I'm definitely going to be trying it out just to see if I can, because I, I deal with some of the same things you do as far as listener feedback, love getting that email. But I, I think for a lot of us, we tend to i know i'm still guilty of doing this is use our inbox as our to do list and yeah, that's terrible you can't do that yeah i know and and i'm i'm realizing that more and more is we wake up in the morning or we get to the office or we do whatever and we open up the email box and there's like you said 70 emails in there and there's that assumption and kind of that whole I want to get through all these so I'm going to handle all of this right now I'm going to do something with all that email or worse I'm not I'm just going to let it sit there and do nothing and let it kind of creep up on me and then we spend all day working out of our inbox and then we watch all the other email come in and we get distracted by stuff and I I know I've had days where I've done that and it's been completely maddening. I've gotten nothing done all day long. Yeah, I'm just reacting you just all the time. Just can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I but I don't think there's there's hasn't been a lot of the hard thing I have is as soon as I see something, I'm like, oh, I want to start thinking about that or do something with that. And that's why I like some of this filtering stuff. that you don't even have to see it until you really are going to be intentional about when you're going to handle it.
1: Yeah, it's it makes all the difference. And you could do that manually too if you um. I mean, it depends on your volume. It, cause saying box you've got to pay somebody to do this for you, I mean, it's a paid service. And also you're giving them access to your email. You know, they don't read the contents of it, but they do have the ability to see what comes in and goes out of your inbox. And for some people, like if you were a doctor and you had HIPAA requirements, you couldn't do that. But yeah. but so you could manually go through and say feedback, feedback, news, trash. You know, you could do that yourself. But boy, having it done for you man, it makes so much difference for me.
0: Well, and some of the other things you talk about in the book, and we probably won't get into detail in this conversation just because I know people use all kinds of different software and clients, but there's a lot you can do just to set up your own mail rules and your own email software, whatever it is you use to do some of that filtering yourself yeah. with uh, not a lot of effort. You know, If you just spend a little bit of time thinking through that, and that's that's something that's really helpful in your book of walking through that process and that thinking around that.
1: Yeah, and it gives you... The, the time investment. Whereas I was saying creating the folders, you never get the the time back. You know, it's a, I think it's a it's a sunk time. Yeah. Uh, with making mail rules, whether you do it on the server or in your mail application, I think you those things pay for themselves very quickly. If if you're gonna put up some rules to say, whenever I get an email from this you know person, put it you know into this box and mark it as important or whatever, you're gonna you're gonna get that back very quickly.
0: Part of what you did in the research for this book is talking to a whole lot of other people who get a lot of email as well and learning about their workflows and what they do to handle email. I'm curious, what are some really insightful things you heard from others that you either incorporated yourself or you said, yeah, that was a great idea. I'd love to implement that.
1: You know, it's funny. I The thing I got from those interviews is that everybody has to find their own answers for this stuff. Like, when we were talking earlier about mailboxes, I, I'm i not a fan of a lot of mailboxes. I think the more you have, the more you know potential for mistakes you're going to have. And one of my interviewees was Aisha Tyler, who's an actress and a comedian, and she gets a ton of email. And she said, I have a couple mailboxes. If I don't have those, I couldn't get work done. And it just sent it home for me that, you know, everybody's got to make their own decisions about this stuff. And um, that was my big takeaway from those
0: so it's more of a, to go back to our conversation about Lego, of getting comfortable of knowing what the different pieces are and then assembling the system that's going to work for you and however it's going to serve you best given your professional and personal responsibilities.
1: Yeah, you've got to, make, you've got to become the boss of the email. Right, and and it, not every person is going to do that the same way.
0: What's something you're doing differently now than you weren't doing a year ago before you wrote the book?
1: Though I, for the longest time, there there's a concept of deferred email, and it's really just arisen the last six months or so. And there's some apps on the iPhone, for instance, that will defer your email. and they they in essence, they create little hidden mailboxes where they put mail there. So you could say, "This email I don't want to look at until tomorrow." and then it disappears out of your inbox and it goes into this hidden mailbox, and then tomorrow it shows up again. And I made fun of that because I thought that was stupid. Why would you want to defer email? You either need to deal with it now or or put it in a trusted system like, you know, GTD, talking GTD, where you can get to it later. But putting it off is really just running your inbox, you know, as your task list. I gotta admit, there are some instances where it makes sense now that I've been testing it. And like Sanebox does have a deferring component to it. So like when I get an email from a listener that I want to wait until Saturday, I have a Saturday box and I put it in there. And the reason is I don't want to look at it for the next six days or the next five days between now and Saturday. But at the same time, I don't want to take the time to make a task for responding to this email because there's going to be 50 of these between now and Saturday. Hmm. So deferring email sometimes makes sense. And that was kind of a shocker for me because I... I was all set to say how that's a terrible idea. In fact, in one of the drafts of the book, I said that, and then I had to go back and eat my words.
0: Oh, interesting. And so how does that work? You just on Saturday morning, those things just appear back in your mailbox when you want them? Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. I I resonate a lot with that because I get listener email throughout the week too. And I love, like you, I love hearing from the listening community. And at the same time, I don't always have the time and the moment to, to answer the email in the way I want to. And so it sits there in the box. And every time I open it up, I'm working on other things. I see those emails sitting there. And that concept sounds really
1: cool, actually. I'm going to have to check this out for sure. Dave, it's time for you to join SaneBox.
0: I will. And I I saw you have a uh, a promo code on your podcast. So I'm going to be checking that out for sure. Hey, um, what have I not asked you about so far that... Uh, that I should around email that we're missing. That's a key part of thinking through email.
1: Um, The last, I think the last point I'd like you to remember is don't be so hard on yourself and don't give yourself that expectation. Don't hang on yourself. The expectation that you're the guy that deals with the email as it shows up, you know, don't put that on yourself because if you're going to make that decision, you're going to be giving up a lot of things that are more important, like making better reports for work and making Lego with your kids and walking around the park once in a while. So um, I, for some reason, there's this expectation with email that you're going to be the guy that handles it all the time. And instead, use the tools, get better at dealing with it, and and go a little bit easier on yourself.
0: Speaking of tools, the one of the great tools that you've developed, you've actually developed a bunch of them. That are on the iBookstore, and I first, uh, you and I were talking before we started recording. I read your one of your books, I think it was six or seven months ago. And for those of you who, uh, well, actually, let me have you sh- sh- share something, David, about just what is an like what is an iBook and the iBookstore, and what's different about getting a book through the iBookstore that that you do with your books that the average person wouldn't get, like you know, buying a, something on it like a Kindle or something like that.
1: Yeah, well, Apple has created some really amazing rich authoring tools. And when I started doing this books, so I actually wrote books for big publishers before I did these. Uh, these are self published books. They're called the Max Sparky Field Guides. And what I wanted to do was make books that not only told people how to do things but showed them. I wanted to embed what they call screencast videos. So each one of my books is not only a book, but it's it's usually about an hour and a half of produced video where. You know, I'll explain how to do something, and then you can watch me on my screen, you know, imp- you know, implement SaneBox or set up how I do my write order or whatever it is that I'm talking about. You can watch me do it while I narrate along. So each book is, in addition to, you know, a lot of words, it's, it's essentially a feature-length movie. And <laughs> as a result, the books are pretty large files, so yeah. be ready for a big download. But the nice thing is you can get on a plane or anywhere, and it's all integrated into this one book. And there's images that you can tap on and things happen. And it's almost like an app. Um, but the idea is I want people to get the whole experience and be able to to put these things into effect in their own lives. And the best way for that to happen is for me to show them with screencasts.
0: When I read your first book on the uh, iBooks app on my iPad and was reading through it. And I'd read through it. And then I'd tap the button and I'd see the screencast with the explanation and showing visually how to do it and your voice, the high quality video and audio. And then you'd have little interviews with people and you tap on them and you hear people. I remember finishing the book and turning to my wife, who by the way, is a big fan of yours too, and, and saying, this is the future of publishing. This is just amazing that all of this is in one place and I can not just read, but I can see, I can hear. I felt like you were my personal coach walking me through the whole process and it was just phenomenal. Um, and in fact, I if, if ever I get to write a book for the Coaching for Leaders platform here, I'll absolutely be using that technology. And so um, if people wanted to get that, can you tell us a little bit more about, for those of us maybe who've uh, are in the iPad, you know, Apple system, and then those yeah. who aren't, how they get a copy of email?
1: Sure. Um, the iBook version, I think, is the superior one because all that is incorporated into one file and you can read it on your iPad or your Mavericks equipped Mac. And if you go to my website, macsparky.com, there's actually a page in the right column for every book, and there's a button. If you tap it, it takes you right in the iBook store, and you can buy it, and then it'll show up. Uh, on your iPad, you will need to have downloaded the free iBooks app, which Apple Apple produces it, so it's going to show up. They're going to want you to install it anyway. You'll see it when you get a new iPad. Um, and that's probably the best experience because it's all incorporated, like you said, into one experience. Uh, for people who don't have an iPad or a Mac or live in a country without an iBook store, um, I have a PDF version. And with the PDF version, you go to the web, maxsparky.com, you can download it there. And it's the same thing. You get a download file, but it just goes to your computer. And it works on anything, PC, Mac, whatever. And it's a folder. And inside that folder, you'll find the PDF file, which is a PDF rendering of the book with the full nice formatting of the book. And then there's additional folders in there with all the movie videos and all the screenshots and all the you know all the extra bits that go into making the iBook. So you get the same content, but it's not as easy to access. So like if you're reading the PDF and it says screencast 2.1, you got to go into screencast folder and click on 2.1. It's David, not that bad. You know, n- nothing is DRM. So you can just put it in iTunes or wherever you review movies and, and they'll show up.
0: Cool. You know, David, I think one of the privilege, uh, privileges that we get as podcasters who've, uh, have a community is, finding people who are doing really cool things out there in the world and then getting to um, be evangelist and showcase the great work that they're doing and share it with others. And that's why I called you because the quality work, the professionalism, the level of detail, the graphics that you've put into your books are just phenomenal. And they've been tremendously helpful for me. And I know they'll be tremendously helpful for folks in this audience. And so I'm going to put all the links to David's book's up on the site. And um, I'm also creating a new resource page for the Coaching for Leader site. And David, your email book's going to be a permanent resident on that resource page because I think it's something that folks really should check out. And just about anyone who deals with email on a on a large scale uh, and a very, very well thought out solution. And like you said, of giving you all the tools and then you deciding exactly how you're going to implement it and use it to be something
1: that works for you. I really appreciate that, Dave. Thanks so much.
0: My pleasure. David Sparks is the author of Email. He's also the author of Paperless, which we didn't talk about much. And, you know, with David, before we go, let's say something about Paperless too, because um, this, this has been a really successful book too. And it, would it be a fair statement to say it's kind of like a book on, on just figuring out how to go digital and get rid of the paper in your life?
1: Yeah, paperless is a nice contrast to email because there is a solution to paperless that makes a lot of sense in almost every case. And people just need to understand it and implement it. And the paperless book takes you through it in four steps. It shows you the software tools to make it better. It shows you scanners. It even has videos of the scanners in use so you can see how loud they are and how they work. And um, paperless is is a nice, really linear path. You get the end of that book and you're a paperless ninja that's my goal and um that's a lot of fun too
0: cool and for those of you who are mac users like me and in the apple ecosystem david and his good friend katie floyd are co-hosts of a podcast called mac power users which is a super popular podcast i listen to it religiously every week and uh, if you are wanting to learn more about how to use the mac your iphone your ipad it is a great resource and you can uh Check that out in the iTunes or go to is it MacPowerusers.com,
1: David? That'll do it. You can also find it at MacSparky.com. It's all there.
0: Cool. Hey David, thanks so much for your time. I'm so glad that you were able to join me today.
1: Thanks, Dave. It's really a privilege to be on your show.
0: David's done a stellar job with this book. In fact, it was one of the top books on the iBookstore featured by Apple in the last week or two. So it's really gotten some good traction. And especially if you use an iPad, you got to check it out, uh, download it, and just see the interactive experience. But even if you don't have an iPad, uh, you can get the PDF download from David's website, maxsparky.com slash email. I'll have the link in the show notes. At the time I'm recording this, it's $10 either way. So uh, it's a pretty good deal, especially if you're struggling with email and you don't feel like you have the right system yet or maybe the right software or services to support, really helping you be productive with email, I think this is a wonderful resource for you. So definitely check it out. It's been a great help to me as well. Hey, a reminder that episode number 120 next week is going to be all Q&A. And I've had a, a several questions come in already that are fantastic questions. So I'm looking forward to featuring them on the show. I still have room for a couple more questions, though, so I would love to feature your question if you have one. In the last few weeks, uh, the show has uh, hit topics on email, of course, today. Uh, Last week, talked with Bill Bliss on leadership and management, the distinction between those. Uh, The week before was how to be gracious and have that attitude of gratitude. Uh, we talked prior to that on how to track your habits, so a whole bunch of different topics that have been hit on here in the last few weeks. So if you have a question related to one of those topics, I'd love to hear it, and the best way to submit that question is just go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback, and you'll see the button there to record your question. I'd love to get your question by audio so I can actually play it on the air and uh, answer directly, and so that way it'll... Uh, be valuable for everyone. Hey, a uh, side note, by the way, uh, speaking of tracking your habits, I talked about that back on episode 115 with Tony Stubblebine. Uh, those of you using the Lyft app, there's over f- almost 500 people now that are using the coaching plan that I had off- authored called Become a More Respected Manager And so if that's something that's of interest to you, definitely check it out. And again, the link for that is coachingforleaders.com slash liftplan, and that'll be in the show notes here as well. And of course, for those of you who get the weekly update from me on Wednesdays, you will get all of those links in the weekly update in your email. So just watch for those when it comes Wednesday, and that way you can get to things directly. And speaking of the weekly update, a whole bunch of people... Have jumped in in the last week or so on that. So a special thank you to Helena Kavalenka, Paul Gallo, Vitali Rubinenko, Jenny Jones, Shelley Zigenfus, Kian Rodak, Deborah Barrett, Alvin. Tr-trow-re-jo. Oh, Alvin, I don't think I got your last name right there, so you can email me and tell me how to do it right, and I'll get it uh, next time. John Watts, Kyle Chrysalius, Steve Nunez, Athen the Rodrigo hopefully I got your name right Jason Collins Neil Kwan and Scott Phillips thank you so much for subscribing to the weekly update this past week so I send an email each Wednesday that'll give you a booster shot between the shows on how to lead better and hopefully give you some advice on how to improve your communication human relations and personal productivity I've always got my article in there and now I'm also including the notes from this show. So if you want to get all the notes and the links in your e- in your inbox each week, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. That's the best way to grab it. And if you do that, you'll also get access right away to my video overview and a downloadable PDF that's got... 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. So it's a great way to start planning your reading for 2014 and how you can continue to strengthen your knowledge that will help you to lead more effectively. And hey, a huge thank you to Bashkar Nilapudi Bashkar out in India. Thank you for your kind written review on Stitcher. Thank you so much, Boshkar. If this show has been valuable to you as well, please leave a written review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can get there by going to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes, if you're an iTunes user, or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. And Boshkar, I'm especially appreciative of you because not many people are on the Stitcher platform yet compared to iTunes, and most shows don't have many reviews, so if you are a Stitcher listener and have a moment. I'd love to get a review from you. And thank you in advance if you decide to do that. Hey, have a great week. Get your question in for episode 120, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Have a great week, everyone. Take care of yourselves.